Really what it comes down to is there is a fundamental tension between what Next.js wants to be and what Blitz wants to be. Next.js and Vercel, they're more focused on front-end experiences. And so they, they frankly just don't care about adding the power features that full stack uh, people need. And so Blitz adds those power features that you really need for building full stack apps. Hi everyone, welcome to JavaScript Jam. I am Ishan Nan, CTO at Layer Zero. Unfortunately, Mark Bricado, our VP of Engineering, who's usually uh, my co-host, couldn't make it today, uh, but he sends uh, his best wishes and will try to channel his spirit as much as possible into this episode. Uh, in today's episode, we have Brandon, uh, the creator of Blitz.js, one of the leading contenders for the full stack frameworks. Uh, that are trying to really build out uh, JavaScript's best attempt at doing what Ruby on Rails has done. So, Brandon, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, it's great to to have you on on the podcast. I know we've chatted uh, a handful of times uh, before, uh, but great to get you on the the podcast. Uh, before we jump into Blitz, why don't you just tell us yourself, you know, your background uh, and how you got started into building it? Sure. So uh, my dad was an electrical engineer and I thought, well, that seems interesting. So I'll go get a double E degree. Um, so I did that. But in the process of that, I took some software classes and then, I, and in those classes, I was like, wow, now this is actually fun <laughs> compared to the other electrical engineering stuff. <laughs> uh, so I got a job right away uh, as an intern, as an embedded software engineer programming microchips. Uh, so I did, I was at that job for five years. Um, but I, somewhere in there, I, I read the, the book getting real by mm -hmm. the folks at Basecamp. Yeah. And it, it's sort of like about, you know, having your own software business and that were like really kind of lit a dream inside me to have my own software business at some point. And like to be able to, to, to make a website and a web app and make money from that. Um, and so that like led to me eventually learning Ruby on rails which got me into web programming. Um, and then I wanted to do more complex stuff, you know, more complex apps. And so that led me to try Ember that didn't really stick. And then I learned React and then I just like fell in love with React and JavaScript. Um, and then I, uh, I guess the next, the next thing is the, the past four years I've been working as an independent consultant. Um, and so I was building a lot of things from the ground up and a lot of my kind of experience there is what led to starting Blitz. Very interesting. So when you're doing consulting, was it primarily Ruby on Rails? Was it Ember? Was it React? Was it some combination of all of those? It was primarily JavaScript and React. Okay. Yep. So very little. Um, it had a little bit of Rails, um, a little bit of a few other things, but mostly React and JavaScript. Okay. And then when did you get started on, on Blitz uh, and what led you to, to starting it? And, and when did you start? So I started February last year and I had a phone call with a, a friend of mine who is a Ruby on Rails developer. And we were kind of like sparring back and forth about what was more productive to build with Ruby on Rails or JavaScript and React. And I kind of got frustrated because like I couldn't really win. Like I couldn't argue that like I couldn't win against the argument of Rails being simpler, like, you know, less to deal with. And it's just, you know, simpler to build things. Um, and anyways, that was like, 
that, you know, uh, Next.js had released API routes not a long time before that, and Prisma mm-hmm. was, was like, still in beta at that point. And so something clicked inside my inside of me in that conversation. I was like, you know what? I bet we could cobble something together with Next.js and Prisma and, like, really make a, like a Ruby on Rails, you know, experience. And so a week later, I announced Blitz on Twitter. <laughs> and I, I had a couple hundred lines of prototype code. That was it. I didn't even have a GitHub repo. But the tweet storm that i that i put out had the vision of like what it was going for oh wow and you know it got tons of traction tons of people were excited and i did i put that out there before building it because i didn't want to waste a bunch of time building it if nobody wanted it but it became obvious really quickly that like yeah this is something that a lot of people were, were wanting i i love the lean product management of, of doing the announcement first right and then seeing if there's demand or interest uh, essentially maybe we should actually back up and for those folks who don't know Ruby on Rails or what makes it so great, do you want to just tell people, you know, what that means when you, we say Ruby on Rails for the JavaScript or, or React ecosystem? Uh, yep. Just briefly summarize, like, what it really means for the developer and why people really love Ruby on Rails. So the, the big thing is that it's what I call a batteries-included framework. So it has everything you need. So if you create a Rails app, like... You, you have access to a database, you have, you know, your HTML, CSS, you have client or server-side, um, you know, logic, you have, you're able to plug in background processing. And so it's, it's just a really nice developer experience all around. You have a CLI that does really, you know, nice stuff for you, you can generate code. Um, and so that that's kind of the, uh, the, the main thing is like, it, it just takes away the, you, like, Without something like that, you are left to, as a developer, to piece together a equivalent experience with all the libraries and authentication and testing and like linting. And you're just going to assemble all those together. Whereas with a framework like Rails or Blitz, a lot of that is done for you. Yeah, I, the analogy I like to use is it's kind of like you're trying to build a house. And a lot of times, well, okay, you need to put the the pieces of wood up and actually build out the scaffolding and everything. And and Ruby on Rails kind of gives you maybe basically the scaffolding even better. I mean, literally the command is called scaffold um, so that you don't have to focus on the basic pieces that you know you're going to need from a regular CRUD app. Um, authentication is already built in and stuff like that. So right. you, you get to focus more on the, the app rather than the basic pieces you already expect to be there. Thanks to conventions and decisions that it's already had. And some of those are opinions that you may not agree with. Um, which gets me to my next question. Can you walk us through what the core opinions and pieces that you put into Blitz? Because kind of like Ruby on Rails, it combined a bunch of things together and said, here's what you should you should use. Right. What, what are those core things you piece together into the kind of ideal stack you're giving people? So one of the first things I wanted was uh, I wanted Blitz to be more flexible and less opinionated than, than rails, like still opinionated, but with rails, it's, it's hard to go off the rails. It's very, there is very kind of like there have strong opinions. So one of our foundational principles is loose opinions, Yeah. which, which means like we have a lot of opinions, recommendations for how to do things, but for the most part, we, that we do very, we don't enforce very much at all. Um, but all for libraries and things like we, it was like all the basics, right? So linting, testing, um, authentication, a database, um, a form library. We, we give you a choice of form library, but we, we kind of set it up for you. Um, we don't have styling in there. 
um, we have we have recipes mm-hmm. which will allow you to easily add styling in. But that's like, so it, it's like the testing, linting, like uh, ES lint, Jess, like those are like so common. It's it's pretty much a, a simple choice to go ahead and include those. But for styling, like everybody has a different opinion, right? And so <laughs> we we yeah. stop short of having an opinion on that. Um, but instead of having an opinion there, we just make it really easy to to bring your own styling. So that's where we try to try to solve for the majority use case, um, but then have like these extension points to allow you to do whatever you want as well. Okay. Uh, did you have a, a process by which you decided which pieces or you just, you were going to include and which ones you're going to leave to the, the developer or you just kind of went by intuition from your own background building stuff? Yeah, mainly my own intuition. Um, you know, we had some... I got a bunch of people early on that helped build out a lot of this stuff and helped, you know, decide on some, some decisions. Um, So, so there was some conversation there, but a large, a large part of it was, yeah, driven by my own kind of intuition. Okay. Speaking of team, like, I mean, you just started February of last year. Uh, Really impressive. The progress you guys have made. Uh, How big is the team now that that's working on it? And how are you guys, how is development funded? Um, it's essentially just me. So for the, like for the past year or more, like my average was about 30 hours a week working on blitz. And then I was spending about 20 hours a week doing consulting. So, um, I've had, there's been a bunch of other people that have contributed in their free time. Um, we're over 300 contributors now, but as far as the team team, like it's, it's mainly just me kind of, you know, really carrying it forward. Um, and then funding it for my own consulting. Um, but now we're starting flight control, which is, you know, SaaS product. So that's going to, um, that's going to help, you know, provide for blitz going forward. Yeah. Interested in talking about flight control a little later. Um, how, how big is like the number of core contributors to blitz out of curiosity? Um, technically I'm the only one on the core team. Oh, wow. Okay. As, as of right now. So we, er, earlier on, we had a couple, couple others. Yeah. Um, but then they, they ended up, um, you know, other stuff happening in life. And so they reduced to me, but we're looking to bring, bring another one, someone else on soon. Oh, okay. Well, let's actually, uh, just, you know, we've talked a little bit around the edges of, of what it is. Why don't we just show people, uh, I'd love to have you walk us through a demo and just show people how productive they can be in just a few minutes, uh, out of the box with blitz. So. Uh, if you want to get started sharing your screen and, and take it away, let's do that. Okay. So I have just ran um, Blitz New JS Jam. And the Blitz CLI okay. has generated this new app. So this is a list of the files. So there's quite a lot of files, um, but don't be overwhelmed. A lot of this is, is most of it's auth. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of auth code we've we've put in there for you so that it's easy for you to customize, versus being totally abstracted yeah. away and uh, some other library. Um, but it has everything you need, database and stuff already set up. So if we just run um, Blitz Dev, what's the will... database currently? So we use we have Prisma set up by default, which is your like ORM okay. layer. Yep. And Prisma currently supports That's the ORM layer. Yeah. SQLite, Postgres, MySQL, and uh, Mongo, um, but we set up an SQLite database for you locally, so that way it's just okay. you know works out of the box. But then you can easily switch to Postgres or something, which we recommend. Okay, and do we want to briefly just explain to folks who aren't used to an ORM like what Prisma does? Uh, yeah, especially so, Prisma two. Um, 
Prisma 2 does, it does your database migrations. Um, so let me bring this up here. So we have a schema file that in that you define your database schema in a GraphQL like syntax, your fields, types, mm -hmm. et cetera, relationships. And then you run Blitz Prisma Migrate and it'll automatically migrate your database so that it's, you know, already working for you. But then it also provides a type safe database client. So you have like db.user.get or user db.user.create, et cetera. Yeah, so instead of having to write SQL commands, I just write JavaScript functions. Exactly. And it queries the data for me. Okay. Yep. Um, so that the TypeScript piece is a big part of it because the the Prisma client is fully type fully type safe. So it's 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 pretty cool. So you, you're, the data you get out of it is fully type safe. The the input and everything. So here's here's what you get um, just with a brand new app. You just you know. Um, simple starting page, but the kind of the key thing here is that we already have user authentication, sign up, login, logout already set up. So I can click here, I can put in a password and now I'm already logged in, user ID one, user role, user. I can log out, log in and have reset password flow. Um, all of that's ready to go. And so that's then, great. So I just want to highlight yeah, just under the hood, all the things you've given, given the developer right now, like they don't have to build auth effectively. It's exactly. already there. Yes. Start like the, the sample app out of the box already has auth. Okay. So that's fantastic. That's great. Yeah. It, it's, yeah, I love it. It's so cool. Um, so, um, sorry, switch windows here. So now. And it looks um, like you're going to generate a new model. Yeah, so we want to just scaffold okay. a new new model. So we'll run Blitz generate all project. You can pass a, a you know a list of fields that you want, like a name, a string. So we'll run that, and it will generate all the CRUD operations. So it has all the all the CRUD pages, and then it has the. Um... Sorry, my computer is kind of slow right now. And, and that's a bug that's be fixed in the next release. But so it has all the CRUD pages, um, all the, the queries and mutations that you need, and then it adds the model to your database and we'll confirm that we wanna go ahead and migrate the database. And now we can run Blitz Dev and go back here. And then we can go to slash projects Wait for it to start here. Um, and then it has the, the whole flow already set up for you. So um, create, read, update. So here, here's your, your list of projects. There's nothing in the database yet, but we can click create mm -hmm. project. Um, create a project and then there you can see this is the project slash one. So we have the routing kind of, you know, con convention already set up for you. You can edit, delete, go back, see it, um, and be ready for you to style and build out whatever custom functionality you want. That's great. So could we switch over to the code just a little yeah. bit, show people yep. the, the model that got created uh, in the, the schema definition? So 
in the schema. Down here is our, our model project ID, created that, updated that name. And then yep. if we go to say get project query. So this, um, this is just a function that runs on the server. It has a, a resolver.pipe thing here. It's just a functional pipe that pipes the output from one thing to the next. Mm -hmm. First thing uh, runs input validation using Zod, which here's the schema for that. So it, it'll throw an error if, you know, if it doesn't match that schema. Resolver.authorize will ensure that okay. you're logged in. If you're not, it'll throw an error. Got you it. can also add a specific role if you want to do, yeah, require a specific role. Um, and then inside of here, this is where you call nice. db.project.findFirst. And this is this is Prisma. And return the project. Um, and then, you know, there you go. So now if you go on the 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 um, front end, so we Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Like what's the view piece of this? Yeah. We import that query and then you pass it into the use query hook. And this line right here is all you need. Those two, the function that we just looked at, the runs on the server and then this hook, and that returns your project. So that does all the all the data fetching for you, the caching, um, automatic like refetch whenever you come back to the window, things like that. So it's there's no REST API, no GraphQL API, no HTTP, no fetching, none of that. It's just write a function, import it, and use it, and you have everything um, there, including um, type safety on the front end, which comes all the way from your database. So in other words, you just wrote how to get the data out of the database and how to massage it into a format. And then that's it. And then you here in the front end manipulate it as if you got back the same thing. And under the hood, you're handling the serialization you're handling whether, you know, what, what is the actual API that's actually like, you don't have to worry about the API at all. You don't have to worry right. about your API endpoints. You're not really thinking about APIs anymore. It sounds exactly. like exactly. it's, it's totally integrated. Correct. Yep. So okay. you just think of it as calling functions and the functions are called over the network. What is it doing under the hood? Just out of curiosity. It's an RPC API. So it, each, okay. each, um, each query immutation has its own endpoint. That's an RPC endpoint. Um, and then we just handle that uh, for you. Okay, really interesting. Uh, the natural question is like, and maybe we should talk about this later on, like what happens when there's a non-web client potentially of these APIs, um, uh, like well, a native app or something like you that. You can use those the RPC API directly. So we have some people with mobile yeah. apps doing that. Um, and we're going to be, okay. we're going to be adding first class integration with react native. So have, you have the same like import, you know, magic there. Um, but then also some people will just stand up a GraphQL API just for the mobile apps as well. Can you replace the guts of your RPC piece with the GraphQL or is it sit as a parallel? Currently, how, does no. it, how does it work? Um, it's set up so that at some point okay. we could swap it out with GraphQL, um, if, if it makes sense, but yeah, currently no. Okay. Interesting. Uh, well, that'd be a great topic to come to because I'd love to talk towards the end about what, what people should look forward to. Um, so, uh, and I'm not as familiar with use query. So use query is basically just, you mentioned does all the caching for you. Yeah. And, so it's built on top uh, of queries. React Query. Okay. Or um, SWR is another uh, similar library. Ah, uh, okay. So if, if you're doing client-side data fetching in React, like you should be using use query or SWR. Uh, most likely. 
Got it. Okay. So then here, basically, again, to take us full circle back to where, before I took us on this tangent, you basically wrote how to take the massage, the data out of the database, very minimal massaging. And then you get to just use it like you already got it here on the front end. Exactly. Uh, and then you're just stuffing it into the components like regular React code. Exactly. Uh, that's a really smooth workflow, uh, I have to say. Uh, makes things a, a lot easier. Um, so sorry, I, I interrupted you. So uh, take us to where else you wanted to take us in this uh, in this demo. So that's that covers most of it. Like one thing to highlight here is this type for created at and updated at is a date type. And yeah. so we automatically serialize and deserialize dates maps, sets, like everything basically. And so exactly whatever you return on the server is exactly what comes out on the client, which is so cool. Like, especially dealing with dates, you don't have to convert strings back to oh, dates yeah. and manipulate it. Oh, that, yeah, it's, it's one of those minor headaches that you do a thousand times and you almost don't realize the net aggregate pain it's created for you yeah. until yeah. somebody points it out. Uh, the analogy I like to use for that is like, I don't know if you have an iPhone, but right, like when the iPhone Lightning connector came out, you didn't really think about how many times you were, you know, trying to arrange the the plugging cable up versus down in the right direction. But right. here they took that off of you and you suddenly just made it so much easier. And you're like, why didn't somebody think of that before? Yep. So that's fantastic. Uh, that's really great. Um, so that I have to say that was, you know, in a matter of minutes, you basically have, you know, really the scaffold for a standard application. And it it's been a long time since I've uh, watched the, the the very famous DHH, you know, create a blog in, in 15 minutes with Ruby on Rails. Um, do you have like all of those pieces from that famous demo uh, in Blitz at this point? Like you can basically, it feels like you've got most of it, but I think most it's of been it. a while for me. Yeah, it's been a while since I've watched it as well. Okay. Um, so that's great. So, um, you know, let's let's talk about when is when is 1.0. When can can folks look forward to using this in production? So um, we launched our beta back in February, March, um, and so we're we're getting really close to release candidate stage. Um, and in fact, we have a ton of people already, like thousands of companies already using it in production, <laughs> which is kind of wild. But um, so. We're working towards 1.0. Um, been making the past like month. I've made a bunch of kind of huge progress in, in getting to there. Um, so I can't promise anything, but I'm I would be surprised if it's um, not before end of the year. So I, I expect it to be before end of the year. Okay, before concurrent mode. Uh, sorry. So well, uh, one, one fact is that we um, we started. Um, we had a decision at the very beginning, like, should we just go all in on suspense um, in concurrent mode yeah. or, or not? And since Blitz was alpha at that stage, we we're like, well, okay, let's go ahead and use React Experimental also and enable concurrent mode by default. So all Blitz users have, have been using concurrent mode and suspense for data fetching unless they explicitly turned it off. Um, and it's been really cool. Like it's, it totally removes that if loading, else if error dance in your, in your yeah. So it's it's just yeah I yeah. love it so it's cool. Oh, that's great! So you guys really are on the bleeding edge. Who who can you speak of of like the biggest companies or projects you know that are are running in production with Blitz today? Um, 
so our biggest project is kind of arbitrary. I don't, I don't really know how to, how to quantify those. I don't, I don't know enough about it, but the companies I know that are using it is Agolia has two internal blitz apps. Now, uh, graph CMS came on as a sponsor okay. recently because they're starting some blitz projects. Uh, Mr. Gamble.com is a, okay. is a medium large player in online casino space. They converted from XJS and sanity over to blitz. Um, those are kind of the biggest ones. Oh, there's also a, a large U.S. university, I think, that has a Blitz app now. Um, so just keep hearing about more and more. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm most interested, I guess, in those that are, are... So it sounds like a lot of internal projects, but even folks on customer-facing, like it sounds yeah. like, is Mr. Gamble using it for yeah. external it's, customer portal? Yeah, it's, it's their okay. customer-facing site. Um, there was a there some energy company. Um, recently they, they rolled out like their, their user facing thing is using blitz now. So, well, that's great. Uh, so what are the typical challenges or issues, you know, folks should expect when putting blitz in production, especially, you know, pre 1.0, which would be for the next, you know, six months or so, uh, both in terms of development, but also, you know, in terms of deploying a, a blitz site, you know, I was going through your deploy docs, uh, as well. And uh, it doesn't look like there's kind of the the dream deployment yet of zero, you know, DevOps with serverless, and then also the database in the same same platform yet. But tell me, like, what folks should expect before we jump into that in terms of development or deployment that they should be aware of if they're going to try and deploy it. So if if you've done backend stuff before or full stack, like anything with a database, if you've done that before. Yeah. Blitz is very much the same. Like there's not much difference there. So um, you can use Docker, you can just use a, no, a regular node thing. Um, a lot of people are used, currently using mm -hmm. render.com to host their database and their Blitz app. Um, so it's, you can run it anywhere. If you want to use a serverless, like a lot of people use Next.js and Vercel um, for front-end sites, and then they use Blitz and they try to deploy Blitz to Vercel. Um, but serverless does not is not well-suited for SQL databases and so that's that's sort of the, one of the big problems that people kind of run into if they're if they're new to serverless or new to databases like serverless and databases is still kind of a wild west yeah it is and and that's actually i think how we first got got chatting before earlier in our past conversations is some ways to make that easier um uh because there's a lot of folks trying to tackle that that wild west of of making serverless compatible with uh, talking to the database. So would you say most folks are actually using it in a server full manner? Uh, yes. They're running and managing servers and yep. then, uh, you know, they have a database in front of it. Okay. Yep. So it is in some ways, it's again, kind of back to the Ruby on Rails model uh, in some ways. Uh, yep. But, uh, you know, those, those challenges will get solved. Uh, any other challenges that you can think of, like people are trying to face in, in deploying it or, or development for a production site? It's mostly just some some minor bugs here and there uh, right now. Like um, so, there like there's some incompatibilities currently with um, some third party libraries or plugins for Next.js. So like Next Translate or Next um, i18n, like some of the the translating things um, aren't aren't quite working fully with Blitz yet. So some of those are they're mostly mm -hmm. simple fixes that would just need to PR into those projects. Um, but so it's, it's sort of, you know, just kind of some minor edge cases that we're kind of trying to address for 1.0. Well, speaking of next, uh, I know you guys forked next, uh, and there was some, you know, I, I read 
you know, I saw on GitHub the RFC about it and I heard when it happened. Uh, do you want to give just a brief summary on like why you guys fork Next and how you plan to maintain compatibility and, and walked through that decision? Because you're using Next, but you've you've forked it. So it's a little, you know, you're you're kind of off on the side of, of the mainline Next development. Right. So how did you get there? And, and yeah, uh, what makes the most sense for developers to think about on that decision? So when we were first starting to build out the, the Blitz stuff, we, we had to figure out like some way to, you know, layer on this extra magic functionality into a Next.js application. And I think we, we yeah. didn't really consider forking Next at that point. I'm not sure why in hindsight we probably should have. Um, but what, what we did instead was uh, Rudy, uh, another one of the early contributors, he, he built this kind of complex um, compiler setup using node streams and, and so forth that would take your Blitz code base, shuffle it around, strip out the magic, um, and put it into, generate a valid Next.js code base inside the .blitz folder. And then we would run Next.js from inside that folder. And so it, it's worked. It, like the latest release as of right now still, still uses that. Um, but it's honestly kind of hacky because you have this double file watcher process yeah. So like you change it in our directory and then we put it over in the other directory and the Next.js changes that or picks, picks that up. Oh man, uh, yeah. And then like stack traces, things like that are are kind of messed up. Um, and so it, it's amazing how well it's worked, but at the same time, like it's just too limiting to, to uh, not first class. And so that's, we put, you know, we talked about all this on the RFC if you, if people want to look it up. Um, but forking Next.js allowed us to move all that custom functionality into the core framework. And it allows us to like mm -hmm. have even more control and, and change internals um, than we even could before. And so now um, the, the Blitz Canary release that's out there right now is, is fully switched to the fork. We have all the, the logic in there in the core. It's, uh, it's a, just a much nicer, you know, more first-class experience. We have so much more control and ability to do things. Um, but we are keeping up to date with Next.js. So we're merging in every new release. And so we're, we're keeping compatibility with Next and because that's something that, that Blitz users want. And so as long as they want that, then we'll continue mm -hmm. to, to keep up to date with Next.js. Um, but it does give us ability to you know, diverge paths at some point. Um, but like really what it comes down to is there is a fundamental tension between what Next.js wants to be and what Blitz wants to be. Next.js and Vercel, they're more focused on front-end experiences. And so they they frankly just don't care about adding the power features that full stack uh, people need. And so Blitz adds those power features that you really need for building full stack apps. Interesting. So do you feel like, you know, I guess the way I'm thinking about this is you, you know, it's classically described in the Ruby on Rails, like has a lot of magic, right? And you had to create all these hacks, it sounds like, in order to provide the same type of magic. And that meant you had to reach into the Next.js internals and, and kind of fork off of it. Um, it sounds like like forking it was a temporary way to resolve it, but, and you're gonna keep updates. Have you tried you know, putting some of those changes to present, talk to the Next folks and say, hey, could you take this? It would make it easier for us to do that. Uh, have you had those conversations? Yeah, I've had conversations with Guillermo. Um, and uh, like 
there's there's a lot of and I'm I'm I try to upstream changes as as much as I can. Um, but they're the yeah. Next.js team is like very conservative in features they want to add. Um, so it's like it's it's like a year before you can get something in there if you want, depending on you know like the scope. Um, small bug fixes for sure that, that's easy, but any kind of major feature that's like yeah. Um, and so, um, so for the most part, we don't like I'll post RFCs over there, you know, see what kind of attention it gets. Um, but ultimately, it's like it takes too much effort to get stuff into Next.js. Um, and it's easier for us just to focus on building stuff in Blitz for now, at least. Okay. I mean, what it sounds like you're saying is you guys are catering to two different audiences in a sense. Yeah. Um, right. Well, and I think so. and that's that's the source of the tension. Yeah. Like, it's um, I mean, there's a lot of overlap there, but and like there's a lot of people who use Next.js, but like like the. There's a lot of Next.js issues and, and things in the Next.js repo where people, there's like tons of people in there. Like, hey, you know, we have these problems. We want these fixed. Um, for whatever reason, they choose not to. or And so we're, we're kind of catering to like all those use cases that that are not being met by Next. Got it. Well, and in fairness to Next, they have a much broader surface area. Um, like they have, yeah. a, they're, so they're, yeah. they just want to keep it really minimal. Yeah. And I think what you're describing their conservative is when you have such a large audience or customer base change management becomes a much more involved process. Yeah. Um, so, and, and you guys are, you know, in the early days of your development and you're, you're really finding out new ground, uh, in this full stack space. And so you do kind of, not only are you catering to different audiences, you guys are moving at different paces. Exactly. Um, in in your maturity, yeah. uh, is what it sounds like as well. Have you had to fork any other pieces of Blitz, or do you think you will? Because putting magic together might might require full control over things. No, we haven't. Um, and probably the closest one, okay, that like we might would have to would be React Query because it's it's handles that data layer on the client. But uh, mm -hmm. React Query, it like it exposes pretty much everything you need already, and so like there's there's basically zero reason to, there's zero reason to fork right now. And I, I doubt there will be in the future. Um, so the more extensible tools are, the less we need to worry about forking. Okay. So, you know, the other uh, switching topics, elephant in the room is like, there's uh, a bunch of these full stack framework contenders and based purely on my intuition and awareness, uh, it seems to be Blitz, Bison and Redwood. Um, how would you compare and contrast, you know, Blitz against Bison and Redwood? And what scenarios do you think Blitz is the better choice? And what scenarios do you think the other guys might be a better choice? So Bison is a boilerplate, not a framework. Bison is a boilerplate for Next.js. Okay. Um, and I haven't heard much about it yet. I think, I think it didn't really get enough attention for them to keep investing in it. Um, so, uh, but I think it's, they might still use it internally. Um, echo echo bind the agency but redwood so mm -hmm. redwood is really the main the main alternative um and redwood um so we blitz abstracts away the api layer but redwood doubles down on it and mm -hmm. uses graphql and makes it easier to use graphql um in a full stack context so if you're gung-ho about graphql go use redwood if if you're not then you know come use blitz um, so that, that's really kind of the key difference there. Um, Blitz has, um, so I, I'm, I'm honestly a bit surprised, but Blitz has now surpassed uh, Redwood in almost every single metric. So number of like contributors, people in the Discord, forks, um, 
Twitter followers, GitHub stars, et cetera. And so Blitz seems to be striking a bigger a bigger nerve with more people than um, than Redwood. But Redwood is awesome, and so we we use them for inspiration and in some things. They, you know, I'm I'm we talk we talk uh, back and forth and things. So definitely check it out if you want GraphQL. So and I Redwood, you know, one of the differences in my mind is Redwood doesn't base itself on Next the way no, you do. Yes, that's another big difference uh, in Blitz. Yes. Um, and they have the, the cell concept and my rough intuition from what I've read, I've not, not actually built something with it is Redwood felt like it had more magic. I don't know if that's fair to say or not. Um, but that's how it felt when I was watching it. I don't know if that's your assessment as well. That's probably true. Um, okay. Yeah. So like the, the magic and, and blitz is mainly isolated to that, to the RPC layer that, you know, the compiles, the API, um, thing, but yeah. Yep. I mean, and and that's a personal choice. Like some people prefer more magic, some people prefer less. What do you attribute the the fact? You know, you as you point out, the metrics on Blitz have been really phenomenal uh, compared to Redwood. Is there anything you would attribute that to? Is it the choice of Next? Is it something else that you think? What, why the do you think it's actually next, striking a nerve? I think it was a foundational choice, so it had to have that. Okay. Um, and, but beyond that, it's really the zero API data layer, I think is what's really hitting it for people. Um, so like, like people love it. And and I keep hearing from more and more people who were using GraphQL and they're switching from GraphQL to use Blitz because it's just so much more productive to not have to deal with the API layer. Interesting. What do you think that says about, you know, the future of GraphQL? Yeah, I don't know. It's, you know, it's interesting times. Um, I think there's still amazing use cases for GraphQL, like like Shopify's API, yeah. GitHub's API, like those are perfect use cases. Um, and I, I love consuming those type of APIs. But when I'm building a full stack app, like I don't want to mess with GraphQL, you know? Um, so I think it's, you know, once you get to a certain point of scale, you want a, a dedicated API for third parties or whatever. Um, but I think, I think probably there's going to be less hype around GraphQL for, for like indie hackers, say for small developers, side projects. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense when I, when I think about it, it's, uh, it's like Ruby on rails. You don't have to think about your API because you're a single person building something and you need to work across multiple layers of the stack as efficiently as possible. So actually yeah. decoupling the front end from the back end slows you down because now I've got two systems to manage. Exactly. Whereas if you're a larger team, then you actually want to be able to move independently and you need that contract layer like GraphQL. Yep. Um, and so I, I wonder if it might be just about the size of the team and how they prefer to work. Yeah. So if like statistically, 99% um, of people work at companies with less than 100 employees. And so the vast majority of like apps being built are very small teams. And so the the vast vast majority of apps that are ever built they're never going to reach a point of scale at which um decoupled front and back ends makes sense and so it's much better to start with you know a monolithic setup and you get really fast iteration speed it allows you to actually get to market to actually get customers and and grow um and then when you reach a point at which you do need to start decoupling pieces out then you'll have the the resources to pay people to start building those out. Um, and you know, that's like a pretty well-worn path. And a lot of people get hung up on like, oh, I need to start with microservices on day one. I'm like, no, that's a big mistake. 
Yeah, the the phrase I don't know who said it, but I I use it very often is microservices are a so- solution to an organizational problem, not a technology problem. Um, yeah. uh, more so than than anything else, uh, and it's a way of organizing your teams. You know, related to this, it my impression is also that Redwood doubles down on on shall we say a Jamstack architecture. All the pages that are first fetched, are, and I could be wrong with this, are are totally statically generated, and everything then is API endpoint. Right. They don't support server side um, rendering. Does? Yeah, they yeah exactly. Uh, how does Blitz? You know, Blitz looks like it's more server side rendered, and then if you want to do the more Jamstack static, you have that capability in Next. I don't know how much you're using it in Blitz. Can so you just help me default, understand? Like, are you guys on the opposite end of the spectrum? Yeah. By default, Blitz pages are static. And, and do client-side data fetching. So essentially okay, Blitz is like Jamstacky, but the Jamstack term is kind of hand wavy. Okay. Um, I, I don't really identify it with it myself. I've never really called Blitz a Jamstack framework. Um, some people do and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But to me, Jamstack means that you have a lot of third-party services that you have to integrate together and it becomes really complex to deal with. And so I'm much more mm-hmm. a fan of owning yeah. your stack, owning the functionality. I think authentication should be in the framework, not as a third-party service, you know, things like that. Got it. So instead of saying, I'm going to do my auth, you know, with auth zero or Netlify identity and my database is uh, user information's in a CMS and, you know, more, you're more like the Rails way. Everything's in this Postgres database, my auth, everything. And I, got, I own the whole thing. I can develop locally with it. I can, exactly. I can do whatever I want. I'm, I have to maintain it. I have full control as well is kind of the trade-off. Is right. that fair to yeah. say? And, and the framework maintains a lot of that for you is, is the difference there. So you're still like a third party, you know, getting your auth from the third party, you're just getting mm-hmm. it from Blitz, which is open source and self-hostable and everything versus a third party service. Got it. Again, very much like how it works in Rails, as far as I know. I'm not actually a Rails developer, but I've always worked with a lot of them. Yeah. Um, okay, very interesting. So... You know, uh, let's talk a little bit about flight control. Uh, you know, I saw the tweet about it. Uh, tell us what flight control is and when folks can expect to go live. Right now, there's just a page, uh, but but tell us more. Yeah. So the now that Blitz like makes building the app so much easier. Um, now, when like people, when people would try to go to production and try to deploy their full stack infrastructure with the database, background processing, etc. Like that part is still really yeah. difficult. Um, and it's like, it was it's a little bit surprising because there's so many, you know, players in the space, Heroku, Render, you know, et cetera. But they're, most of them are, it's, it's kind of the traditional um, platform of the service hosting model. There's not really anything mm-hmm. new about it. And people are wanting a next level developer experience. People want the developer experience that they get with Next.js and Vercel, but they want it for full stack and backend. And so that's really what we're solving mm-hmm. with flight control. And there's really kind of key three key key three three key things um, that is going to really enable that for us. So number one is being framework aware. So you have to have really kind of deep integrations into the framework, and that's what allows for Cell Next.js to have that really you know next level DX. So we're doing we're targeting flight control initially for full stack Next.js and Blitz apps. Um, and so we'll have that, that framework aware nature where you get an automatic CDN, um, automatic database, background processing, et cetera. Um, secondly is running on your own cloud. And this is really important for backend infrastructure because you need more control and insight into what's going on. Um, and then you also want to be able to use 
easily use other like layer one services like DynamoDB, SQS, et cetera. And those are really hard, mm-hmm. if not impossible to use from layer two providers like Heroku. Um, and then mm-hmm. thirdly, supporting both containers and serverless functions. So what we find is like a lot of times, let's say for background processing at a, at a lower scale, one is cheaper or faster than the other. But then as you scale, then you need to switch and it becomes better to, to you know, be long running containers versus serverless. So we're making it easy to switch between those both for hosting and background processing and without making any code changes. Yeah, that sounds really excited. I, I I'm, feels like I'm talking to a kindred spirit. Like there's a lot of things that we've expressed opinions. I know internally, especially when Mark and I chat on like being framework aware and then bringing that same usability to kind of the back end. Yeah. Uh, so that's that's really exciting. I think that's where, you know, the whole industry is, is going to need to go, uh, quite frankly, because it just needs to get simpler and easier so folks can spend more time building their app rather than their infrastructure. Um, when, when should folks expect it to go live? So, uh, expect to start onboarding first people within a couple months. Um, and we have a, a wait list that you can sign up for. We're over 600 people on the wait list now. Um, and 10% of those are prepaying $20 for early access. So if you want early access, then go sign up, pay $20. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll be in touch. Um, so where, where we're kind of going with it is, is, um, really functioning as your internal developer platform. So, you know, as your company grows, like we're that kind of central platform inside your company that that handles all the DevOps for all your developers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, less less DevOps, more Dev, yep. uh, as much as possible is something we often try to say here at, at uh, Layer Zero as well. So what are you excited about for the post 1.0 problems you want to solve in Blitz? We talked a little bit about native apps, and that React Native integration just sounds really exciting um, to be able to, in one swoop, not just get my full stack app with auth, but then have a native app as well. Um, what else are you thinking of for, for post 1.0? Um, so to be honest, I haven't thought a lot about it. <laughs> I've, I've been heads down getting to 1.0, heads down <laughs> with flight control. Um, but yeah, native apps is kind of one of the bigger the bigger ones. Um, definitely real time. Um, is something that that comes up a lot, like people wanting WebSocket support, build-in WebSocket support. Yeah. Um, let's see what else. That's that's kind of the um, the big thing. Is there's a lot of other features and niceties, you know, that we can add. Um, the one thing we're, we we want to look more at is is kind of more advanced backend architecture. Right now, we're pretty minimal on backend architecture. Um, so, like some people end up using mm-hmm. Nest with Blitz you know, to have more kind of advanced backend mm. stuff. So we'll be looking at, at ways to make backend, you know, kind of more f- full featured. I think that's about it. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're, we're uh, pretty much actually over time, uh, but it's been a really interesting and fascinating discussion, Brandon. Uh, where can people, you know, go to find out more and follow you? So I am on, I am Flybear, B-A-Y-E-R, Flybear on Twitter. Um, go to blitzjs.com is kind of the central place for getting started with Blitz and all the documentation there. Um, you can also get free stickers. Go to blitzjs.com forward slash stickers and put in your address. We'll mail you free stickers. And then if you're interested in a flight control, go to flightcontrol.dev and you can put in your email there and we'll we'll keep you updated. Okay, great. 
Well, Brandon, thanks again for joining us. And uh, I think that's about all we have the time for today. We'll see you next time on JavaScript Jam. Awesome. Thank you.